Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest installment of 10 Minutes on Brand. I'm Will Strawn, Chief Growth Officer here at Focus Lab. This week, I chatted with Focus Lab brand strategist, Anna Byerly-Rosen, about brand architecture, which is kind of like the family tree of a big company. Think Microsoft. Microsoft is the parent company with brands like Office, Xbox, and Windows underneath. Okay, now let's talk with Anna about why brand architecture matters and why a lot of brands are realizing they've needed a shift recently. All right, Anna, so what would you say is a basic definition of brand architecture, at least from the way that we look at it at Focus Lab? Yeah, great question to start off with because I think it can get confusing really quickly. But I like to define brand architecture as really um, setting up a structure for a set of brands that are related. Uh, and it's something that we do really intentionally. I kind of like to think of it as like a family tree for brands. Unlike our families, we can't always choose who we're related to, but you can do that within brands and set up that uh, set up that structure in a really intentional and strategic way. So, you know, with with brand architecture, so one thing that I've seen a lot, definitely as of late, was some pretty notable brands like Meta and Square. You know, re shaking their brand architecture to block. Um, why do you think brand architecture is coming up so much, at least lately? Because I even for me being on the front lines here at Focus Lab, a lot of the brands that we're talking to and a lot of brands that we work with, they have brand architecture issues. Why do you think these brands are kind of getting into this position and then kind of like rethinking how they set up their family tree? Yeah, great question. I'm seeing it a lot more too. And it's exciting that it's kind of more in the, the cultural vernacular, if you will, that more people are becoming familiar with it. Um, and with those examples that you gave, I really think it is all about strategic, intentional choices around your brand. And that happens a lot where when there's a lot of growth, um, whether it's rapid growth or it's growth over time. And in both of those company examples, it, it has to do a lot with acquisitions, with maybe over time taking on a new company underneath your wing and repositioning and figuring out maybe the audience that we started out with is more broad or sometimes more narrow than the audience that we really thought about at the very beginning of this. And it's, it's taking a step back and thinking, who is our audience now? And also, how is it different in all of these different companies that maybe we've acquired? In both of those examples, both uh, Block, that new overarching company for Square, and then in Meta, which is the new overarching company for Facebook, they created kind of this umbrella or parent brands that all of these other companies fit underneath. So they're defining this umbrella of an audience. And then each of those individual companies can now have their own more hyper-specific audience and their own hyper-specific brand. Uh, so it's really all about figuring out how these puzzle pieces fit together, where you're drawing those dotted lines and that sort of family tree and how each of them are connected to one another. Gotcha. So for example, like with uh, Block, for example, they've got yeah. their Square brand, which is obviously related to transactional e-commerce, but then they've got Square Cash, which is more of a consumer product. And then they've got Weebly, right? Which is a, a content management. So I could say it makes sense to me, right? Why they had kind of outgrown Square because Square was the transactional. That's how they got started. But 
that being the parent brand, probably it starts to get a little confusing, right? Because it's like, well, who is Square's target audience? Well, like, well, there's Square this and Square that. So Block, I guess, makes it easier for their communications, for their brand kind of experience. Yeah. And it also sets them up really well for growth too. So if they decide, uh, you know, down the line, whether that's in a month or a year or five years, we want to acquire another company or we want to start another company, it gives them room to grow where you can, you know, draw those lines underneath now with that larger company of block, as opposed to having to rethink your brand identity every couple of years, which isn't sustainable and creates confusion with your audience too. Or, or even maybe sell, right? When they can stand on their own and they're not fully connected to the parent, I guess if, because a lot of these businesses are in, they're buying and selling, right? So it makes that, I guess, easier to remove someone from the family tree. There we yep. go. See, now if you, you can always boot people out. They don't have to stick exactly. around forever. <laughs> exactly. And I think I, I love brand architecture because it gives you that structure. And I think what a lot of people think about branding they think about the fact that um it is creating a structure that maybe binds you in but i really think that it gives you more freedom because like you're saying you could decide okay maybe this part doesn't fit anymore um or maybe we need to bring something in new to fill this gap uh and you only know that when you have a really good idea of what your brand is if you haven't defined your brand there's a lot of questions and this gives you a really nice strategy to figure out what parts might be missing uh, or what parts maybe don't fit anymore. Gotcha. So if you don't have a well-defined brand architecture, kind of shooting from the hip, which I imagine would be like herding cats, right? Exactly. Where that's the last thing any brand wants to do because the most powerful brands in the world are the most consistent. So if they have these complex architectures with acquisitions and growth, you really kind of need to have your brand architecture defined. Okay. I love it. Maybe a nice follow-up to that would be, is there any brand besides, you know, let's, besides Meta or Block, is there any brand out there that you think has a really like top world-class brand architecture system set up today? Yeah. And to cut into talk about kind of the opposite end of the spectrum and to not talk about uh, acquisitions. I think Apple is a really great example that a lot of people are familiar with. They kind of created the majority of their their things in-house. You know, they have, uh, you know, the iPhone, of course, you have the iMac, MacBooks. Um, now they have Apple Watch, all kinds of that good stuff. But this is more of a uh, brand architecture that is not acquisition focused. So, mm -hmm. you know, they all have their own distinct name. They maybe have a little part of their brand identity that is unique to them. Uh, but at the same time, they very much fall underneath Apple. They're more of what we call a sub-brand structure where okay. they don't have their own logo. Uh, they have something that's in line with that overall Apple logo. They don't have their own visual brand. So you can very much tell right away that they're an Apple product and Apple set brands, which is very different to, uh, you know, Block or Meta, like we talked about. I know, you know, of course, underneath Meta now, we have Facebook, Instagram, they own WhatsApp as well. And those all have their own very distinct brand identities that are separate from meta but you know they have that that endorsement you know when you open up instagram or facebook on your phone now it says facebook uh, from meta or by meta uh, it's more of that endorsed structure uh, so those are a couple of different examples of what that can look like got it so facebook leverages its 
reputation, well, the reputation is trying to create for Meta yeah. to gain, you know, uh, equity with their sub brands. One uh, brand that I really dig and I thought has done a really good job that is fairly scalable is Intuit. So I've always yeah. thought Intuit's brand architecture was really well pulled off because they've got, you know, QuickBooks, they've got TurboTax and that, but they do have a design system that works where the, each of the subbrands can kind of stand on their own a little bit, but it all it all of them do pay homage to the parent, which is Intuit, which is another, yeah. you know, what I believe is a really well done example. I'm curious how they will roll MailChimp into it still to be. Yeah, they actually, so I'm glad you brought this up. I was thinking about Intuit. So we're, we're on the same way. Oh, it's very good. I know, same same brain wavelength here. But um, I was thinking about bringing them up because they're kind of this interesting like hybrid structure too, because if you look at like TurboTax, they own Mint as well. They kind of lead with uh, Intuit first. So it's like, it's I think Intuit TurboTax or Intuit Mint. And I believe they created, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. They might've created that stuff in house. It might've been acquisition, but yeah. they're a little more baked. People kind of know that brand structure. But mm -hmm. MailChimp, who they just acquired, like you said, for a crazy amount of money. Um, I think- Freddie was worth it. It was it worth was, every penny. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It is, it's going to be really interesting because MailChimp has a very distinct visual and verbal brand identity. I actually went to the MailChimp website the other day and they have added on uh, an endorsement on the logo. I don't oh, think that's going to be the final thing, if that's an in-between thing. But right now, I believe it says MailChimp by Intuit or from Intuit, something like that. So they very much, you know, I can tell Intuit understands. They're doing a good job of saying MailChimp has their own distinct brand right now. And we're just going to kind of tack it on, which Meta is doing as well at the at the end, so that people start to understand that connection in their brains and then maybe they'll do something a little more overt in the future who knows mm, interesting so if there is a brand architecture system set up like that where they have some connected visual some maybe some connected verbal components mm -hmm. is there something that you think all complex brands with a very complex product or sub brand or sub company architecture is there like one thing that should connect them all like should they have a shared purpose should they have a shared mission or maybe core values is there something that you think that like if you are going to have this set up you really should have one kind of binder that connects them together Ooh, this is a good question i don't think i think that there isn't necessarily one thing like it's tough because all brands are so different and all parent companies are so different. Like, like I kind of mentioned before, uh, parent companies have different relationships, just like how every parent has a different relationship to their kids or grandkids yeah. or whatever. Uh, they all look a little bit different. And so um, I think that it differs. I don't think there's one thing, but I do think there needs to be something. So like you're saying, whether it is a larger vision, whether you're working towards something larger, um, whether there is something else within your verbal identity or if there is something within your visual identity. Like if you have some brands and you want to make sure everything is looking similar, but it really depends. Sometimes you want to, you know, keep those child brands a little bit closer. And sometimes you want to let them do their own thing and let them focus uh, on what they need to focus on. 
Um, and so it just kind of depends. I also think that it can be fluid. It's definitely a structure or kind of like a blueprint that you want to set up, but just like how a blueprint may, you may end up riffing in a different way and things may look different in the outcome. You want to make sure this is something flexible, something that can change while still retaining a really nice structure that has strategy behind it. So to answer okay. the question, it depends. It depends. Well, I think the thing that you've made abundantly clear to me is there needs to be some sort of strategy that influences a rationale. Just don't be hoping it's okay. So if these brands are going to grow or scale, or maybe they're already in this position, they need to take a few steps back, a few steps back, evaluate what's going on and make sure they define a architecture system that's appropriate for them that can make their life somewhat easier to communicate all these subs, sub brands value. It yeah, kind of was how we bottle it up. Well, we are at our 10 minutes. It goes by quick. It does. Um, and I thank you so much. I mean, we could probably talk about brand architecture all day, but I think this was a really awesome conversation. I appreciate you kind of bestowing some of your wisdom on us. And uh, yeah, I hope you have an awesome day. 100%. Thanks for having me. We can do a part two anytime. Ooh, it's coming. It is coming. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you.